Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. What's up, everybody? Uh, this is the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I am Henry Chisholm, and I'm the host. And uh, I guess that's probably it. Um, excited to talk about a bunch of things today. Going to dig into some football, but also I waited to record this until the second half of the Buffs basketball game. I figured I could, like, you know, I wanted to talk about the game. Thought this could be a fun way to do it. Um, and I really want to dig into Buffs basketball tonight. Um, yeah, uh, before we actually get into it, I do want to tell you more about drift car sharing because drift car sharing is just incredible. If you're like me and you're headed to the airport tomorrow and you don't want to pay for parking, then you should definitely use the drift car sharing lot. They'll rent your car out. They'll give you money. Even if they can't rent your car out, then you just get free parking and they'll pay, or I guess not pay, but they'll clean your car. Uh, it's a good deal. It's a good deal. It's definitely something that you should be taking advantage of. Um, yeah. I guess before we dig into it, I'm going to just kind of run through what to expect this week. Uh, first of all, there's this podcast tonight, the Tuesday podcast, which will be up pretty late Tuesday night, I guess. Uh, Wednesday, I'm hoping to get draft pot in with Dre. We'll see how that goes. I have to get to the airport after I go to Boulder, but I do have some time. We're trying to figure out when our schedules line up. This this snow day, as great as it can be to just like have time to recollect and get some work done and just like get your life managed, it also means that everybody's a little bit behind and we're all kind of scrambling to figure out what we're trying to do. Um, so yeah, maybe get that done tomorrow. I'm hoping so because... I love that show. Uh, and then uh, Thursday is Thanksgiving. Not really sure what the Thursday plan is. Uh, Friday, I'll be headed out to Utah. I'll get something done in the morning or the, that night, preview of the game. So expect that then. And then Saturday, of course, at 3 o'clock on ABC. I'm going to double check all that. But off the top of my head, I think that's right. Uh, Colorado plays at Utah. Um and I will be there. That's a football game, by the way, with all these other sports going on. Sometimes you never know. Um, we'll start to talk about the implications of that game today. I, I mean, they're pretty obvious. You win it, you go to a bowl game, you lose it, you don't. Um, but I think there's a little bit more going on as well. Uh, first, though, I want to dig into this basketball team. This has been kind of a frustrating game. Okay, so here's a heads up. Since since I'm recording this while the game is still going, here's what's happening. Uh, as I'm speaking, Clemson just hit a three to go up 53-47. Colorado had just cut it to 40, 47-50. Yeah, I think I think that was the closest. But uh, the biggest thing to me, you know, they, they, the Buffs keep falling behind, and then they run back close and they haven't really tied it up or gotten the lead but but that's kind of what's been happening they fall to nine points back then they get up to one or two points back and then they fall back again and now they're back to four points down after that bay dunk but uh they they haven't looked like the better team they haven't looked like significantly worse but they haven't looked like the better team by any means tyler bay best player on the court i think that that is a safe thing to say at this point. McKinley Wright struggling. Um, the biggest thing that I'm noticing between when things are going well and when things aren't going well 
is which shots they're taking. And that's not a surprise that they're making the good shots and missing the bad shots. But I think tonight in particular, we're seeing this team become a little bit complacent, specifically when they're on these down swings. They're not moving. They're taking a lot of jump shots. I mean, this list of shots, uh, where do you even start this? Um, they got a couple layups to start the second half. Or no, to start the first half. But then here's what happened. Three-pointer, 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 layup. Jumper, three-pointer, 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 layup. Three-pointer, jumper, three-pointer, jumper. Three-pointer, 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 three-pointer. And then that's the end of the first half. What is that? Two layups? Oh, plus the two to start the game. Um, made all four of the layups. I'll say that. Uh, it's just not good offense. You know, they have players who can make jumpers, obviously, but that's not what you want to be relying upon. You want to be getting open looks. Evan Batty, three misses. See, it's just <laughs> just frustrating. When, when they gave up that run before they cut it to what? 4750 uh, oh my goodness coming at, it's just incredible jumper 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 three pointer jumper 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 it's it's just constant you need some layups everything is just so set um where tyler bay is at his best is moving toward the basket especially if he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands if he can cut get a pass you know that kind of stuff you, you like seeing him get these post-up looks, but they aren't the best look you can get. Having Tyler Bay post up and just feed him the ball and let him work from there, that's not super efficient. But when everybody's running around, everybody's cutting, McKinley Wright is on his game, you know, slinging the ball around. That's when this offense is fun. It just looks too methodical. I, I don't know. Just a little bit complacent. there isn't enough energy on offense. You know, the defense with the zone has been kind of weird. Um, Don't know what that's about. Hopefully somebody's going to ask Tad tonight about uh, what's going on there. I don't know. It's it's been a frustrating game. It's been a frustrating game. Um, the 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 fouls I almost said penalties I'm so used to football talk the the fouls have been pretty disgusting okay there you go. McKinley Wright with the steal and the dunk there you go needed that and that's to take the lead Colorado is the better basketball team they just aren't playing like they should be um the fouls though on Evan Batty on Tyler Bay forcing them to come off the floor you just can't have that especially after they combine for. 31 rebounds in the game against Wyoming. You need that, especially against these big guys for Clemson, from Clemson. You know, it's it's weird seeing Tyler Bay be the, I don't know, like the smaller guy in his uh, battle with that Sims guy. And Sims playing well too, 7 of 11. Uh, uh, it's, it's just frustrating. Finally, 16-3 run as of right now from Colorado. You need it. You finally just, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's frustrating. I will say that the free throw shooting is better. I think that that's important. A little bright spot here. Um, 16-17 as of right now. That's incredible, obviously, especially when you compare it to what they're doing before. Okay, um... Before we put a pause on the basketball talk, and we'll wrap around again later on in the show once the game is over to kind of get the final thoughts. We don't need like my worse play-by-play than the play-by-play that's going on on the TV. Um, I do want to dig into just a couple of the individual performances tonight. Got to start with McKinley Wright. Let's just get this out of the way. First of all, I'm not concerned about him. I'm not concerned about him. He's 2 of 11, 4 points. He's missed both threes. He's taken some bad shots. One of those threes, the one where he almost caught the ball behind the three-point line in the corner, but he kind of like bobbled it, and then the defender got over there, and he still shot the ball anyway, and it would have been a shot that would have like given him the lead, like an energy thing. It's like that Russell Westbrook, James Harden, like, I, I don't know, like star guard stuff where it's like, I know this is a bad shot, but... You know who I am. You know I can take some bad shots. 
and and it's going to be like a highlight if it goes you know it's like that kind of shot which I don't think they need him to be taking I think that part of the reason that this team has looked so good early in the season is that he's just been a true point guard like he scored two and that's a big part of who he is like getting the rim but he isn't just throwing up threes he isn't hunting step backs doing that kind of stuff and he he's definitely been forcing shots a little bit more tonight you know I, I think the craziest thing is um, we've all seen that he's struggling the shots not falling like there are shots that probably should have gone in that aren't for whatever reason but there are other shots he shouldn't have taken he has four points and he's taken the most shots on the team he's taken 11 uh Bay and Schwartz have each taken seven. Schwartz, I, I liked. Uh, everybody else, four or less. So he's just going with it. Uh, and, and the shots just aren't falling, which is too bad. And I think on a lot of nights they will fall. But at the same time, that's not how this offense works at its best if somebody's taking those shots. Uh, Tyler Bay, he's cooled off a little bit. But... Still looks like the best player on the court. Defensively, he's everywhere as well. His hands are just so impressive. Even like that Sins guy, he got a he got one good look. Like he, he made a shot, a step inside the three point line pretty early in the game where he was able to kind of brush Bay off him. Bay kind of stumbled in toward the basket. Um it was like a good shot, good play. But at the same time, Bay was able to reach around him slapped the ball and the ball just didn't come out and he took a little body and the guy ended up getting space like that was still a good defensive play even though it ended up being a bucket Tyler Bay is just so much fun to watch he's so much fun to watch he's playing within himself um I do hope that there are a couple games this year and this is kind of weird to say after talking about McKinley Wright the way that I've been talking about McKinley Wright. But I do hope that there are a couple of games this year where Tyler Bay just says, this is my team. This is my show. Let me go. Um, let him go for you know, 30 points, something like that. Because he's capable. He's very obviously capable. Um, the one of one from three, that's exactly what you want to see from Tyler Bay. One of one one of two like right there show that you have it keep them honest with it but also make those shots when you take them um there'll be games where that isn't exactly what happens but i don't know there are guys who who who, you know steph curry isn't going to lead the league in three-point percentage i think he, he did that one year but uh that's because if he's making that many of his threes he's just gonna start taking more and he's going to start, if he's taking him three steps behind the line, he's going to take him four steps behind the line. And he's never going to have a great three-point shooting percentage. I mean, as great as it could be for him. Because he could be like a 60% guy if he was just hunting open threes. He's never going to have like those crazy, crazy numbers because he will just make more shots if, or take more shots if they're going in. Um, I think, you know, Jamal Murray here in Denver is kind of that same kind of player. Uh, Damian Lillard definitely is that kind of player who like Steph is just so incredible. He's still going to put up numbers. You're like, Oh wow, that's very efficient. It's not going to be like, Oh my goodness. All time efficiency. When you, when you compare it to the stats, it will be with Dame. He probably won't ever shoot more than like 41, 42% because he's just always going to take more shots. If he's up at those numbers, um, on the other hand, you know, uh, Nuggets, Paul Millsap. He's shooting over 50% from three this year because he's taking one or two a game. And it's when they're open, he just knocks them down. He isn't forcing anything. That's not his game. And that's who Tyler Bay is. Uh, just taking those shots when they're there for him, when they make sense for him, and not doing like the Luka Doncic step back, chuck it up, and if it goes in, it's going on ESPN. If it doesn't, everybody just rolls their eyes. Uh, he's been making a lot of those recently, by the way. Um, I would like to see, at some point this season, Tyler miss. Like, miss that mark. Miss that um, perfect efficiency spot by going too far. You know, that's what we're seeing from McKinley Wright tonight. He's just trying to do too much. Um 
for a guy like Tyler Bay, you know, playing the position he plays, he isn't just going to be um, having the ball in his hands. You know, he can be a little passive. Uh, if like like within this offense, if he were passive, he just wouldn't get the ball. If that makes sense. And there will be some times where it feels like he isn't as much a part of the offense as he should be for how talented he is, but due to his position, because he isn't a point guard, he won't be just like running everything, if that makes sense. I would like to see him also, in some occasions, look like he's too much of the offense, is what I'm trying to say. I want him to be taking a lot of shots, taking some tougher shots and you know putting the team on his back showing that he is a superstar because after that teams will have to treat him like a superstar defensively um yeah i think that that pretty much sums up my tower bay thoughts he's really good is the answer um and he needs the ball more he's an nba player right now he should be in an nba rotation uh, i don't think that that would be too big of a stretch for him um anybody else uh Shane Gatling um you know it's not even him it's I don't know what Colorado should do when uh McKinley Wright is on the bench they're just uh they they need him they they really need him turns out having the the best player in the conference or you know conference MVP one of the favorites as your point guard makes him very important to your offense. And when he's off, things just look different. Um, I think that that has hurt Colorado. I think that will continue to hurt Colorado. I'm not sure what my recommendation even is for when he's off. You just need him on the floor, I guess, is the answer. Um, Evan Batty, the foul trouble, that's a problem. Um, It's also kind of the book on him. He, they, he's too good for for this to to be happening. Like you, you need to have him on the floor. Four or five as of right now. Um, made all three of his free throws, and that's not even like what he is. Like, sure, he has the touch. He can do that kind of stuff. But the passing, the defense, the boards. Like, you just need him out there. You can't afford to have him in foul trouble. Uh, same same thing with Tyler Bay. Uh, I don't know. We'll jump back in. There's like a little over five minutes left in this game, and we can talk about it more in depth after that's over. Um, before we dig into some football stuff, I want to talk about uh, Breckenridge Brewery because Breckenridge Brewery is the best. Um, we had our Friendsgiving. I almost said friends miss. Uh, our Friendsgiving last night. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that podcast, by the way. It was a little bit frantic because like, I was just so busy and I like texted those two. And I was like, Hey, if you guys want to come over a little bit early, I'll, uh, I'll probably be recording the podcast. You can jump on for a minute and it was a good time. Hope you enjoyed hearing from them. They actually like, like usually when I, I have people on the podcast, I know more than them about buffs football. And so, like, I'm the fat guy. They can have, like, their own perspectives, and they've seen things in the games. They have, like, takes and stuff and good takes. And, again, they know more about the other 100 years of Buffs football history than I do. But uh, having them come in with, like, the the knowledge, like, the, the story of Mel Tucker's pregame thing was pretty cool. Um, I had nothing to add. Um, yeah, so, so that was fun but also friendsgiving was fun because of brackenridge brewery we had holidays we had um christmas ale the christmas ale was like the go-to obviously because it's just such a good beer not because it's christmas because it's friendsgiving not friendsmas but uh we also had the avalanche ales the lagers the agave wheat vanilla porter um i picked them up at total bev because if you spend 75 dollars you can get 30 percent off so i was like yep doing that and uh i don't know just buy your alcohol in bulk like me and it it's a great deal so uh yeah that's how we set up our friendsgiving which uh was just so much fun it was just so much fun uh, we were all hanging out over here at my place until late talking about all sorts of stuff like 
work stuff and like future work stuff and like how everything like builds and grows and like how we need to improve on ourselves. Like, I don't know. It's, it's just, I, th- I think often times it like bores people how interested I am in my work. Like it just seems like every conversation I have is about my job. Like, like girls hate it, like really, really hate it. Um, because everything just circles back to that because like I don't go 15, 30 seconds without thinking about something related to work, whether it's like buffs football, buffs basketball, Twitter, or all these different things where it's just like constantly what's on my mind. And they're all just a whole bunch of people who are the exact same way. And so hearing how they like think about all that kind of stuff, I don't know. Good, good people. This has been a weird tangent. This What's my point? Breckenridge Brewery and also Total Bev. So yeah, go to Total Bev with the code DNVR2019 and you can have a great Friendsgiving or Thanksgiving because I think a lot more of you celebrate that than Friendsgiving. Also, Friendsgiving might be over. I'm not sure if that's like a everybody agrees to celebrate Friendsgiving on Monday. It's definitely not like a real holiday, uh, right? Yeah, no, it's not. Um, so Thanksgiving, you can stock up. Um, and you'll be popular. I don't know. I don't. DMVR 2019, Total Bev, uh, locations in Thornton and Westminster. Uh, if, if you order through the app, they can have it delivered, uh, or you can just tell them you want to pick it up. And this is actually the first time I'd ever just picked it up. So you just order. You do. You don't have to like talk to anybody really. Uh, you just you just like push all the buttons, like give them your card, do all that stuff, throw in your code say you'll pick it up whatever day you're going to pick it up. And then you get there, you go to the uh, pickup desk and say, Hey, I'm Henry. Or I guess if you did that, actually there probably would be something there. And then they give it to you and need to see your ID. You wouldn't be Henry cause you aren't Henry, but uh, they'll have like a cart just like loaded up with everything you wanted. You don't even have to wander around that massive warehouse. Just an awesome system. It's what everybody should do in 2019. Uh, so yeah, DNVR 2019 is the code. 30% off your order is $75 or more. Uh, let's talk about sports again, though. Uh, specifically, football. There, there are a couple key points that I want to hammer home, and they're kind of opposites. And they're both about this Utah game on Saturday. First, I want to say that it's really exciting that Colorado has put themselves in this situation where they're one win away from the bowl game, like... They just took down Washington. They took down Stanford. Those weren't the games that they were supposed to win coming into the season. Again, neither team's season went the way that most of us anticipated. But still, very good football programs still didn't bet on Colorado and either of them. Uh, so that's exciting. It's so much, so much fun to to have all of this going on. You can tell with the energy with the program. Uh Anything can happen in a game of football. That's my first point, is that this is super exciting. I'm super hyped up for this game on Saturday. There's potential for this to be a huge game. Like, you know, they have the Brick games where... uh, I'm not sure how much... I assume you guys all know about Brick games. Basically, in, in the hallway outside the practice facility, between the practice facility, the indoor one, and the uh, locker room... They, they have, like, all their trophies lining it, like uh, Rashawn's uh, Heisman, the Butt-Kiss Awards, Ray Guy Awards, all the uh, – Blitnikoff, I think – yeah, there's definitely Blitnikoff in there. Um, so they have all the awards. They have, like, a TV that has uh, all a whole bunch of different moments in Buff's history, and so you get to, like, push the button. You'll be like, oh, what happened on this game? Like, the Oklahoma game of 1990-whatever. And then it'll tell you the whole story, and there'll be, like, video cut-ups. But they also keep the bricks in that hallway. And for every big win, um, they add a brick to uh, this, like, wall. There's just, like, shelves, like, super nice-looking shelves with golden bricks that have, like, the score and the date and, like, the opponent, you know. Um, And it's really cool. And I'd guess that there are... 60 maybe yeah right around there in the entire history of the program um and uh saturday if they win that's a brick game that's definitely a brick game and there hasn't been one for a couple of years i think the rise year 
maybe that Oregon game is on there. Uh, but yeah, like that, that, that's the kind of moment this is like Nebraska. We were actually talking about with the reporters, um, Nebraska win. It was great, but that's not a brick game. This is a game against a conference opponent that you shouldn't win. You're on the road. You're, uh, fighting for the postseason. So much fun. So exciting. Anything can happen. Uh, on the other hand, this is not an easy game. Uh, I think this is probably the least confident I've been in a Colorado football team this season. I, uh, I, uh, I just don't know. I mean, that's, that's just such a good football team in every way. Like, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster at, at, at almost every position. What Tyler Huntley's doing, what Zach Moss is doing, that offensive line, uh, not only is it really good, not only is that offense very strong, it matches up so well with what they try to do defensively. The, they don't turn the ball over. They put themselves in good situations. They play kind of Mel Tucker football. Like they do what Mel Tucker wants to do uh, a couple years down the road. And then defensively, they're just big and mean and angry everywhere. Um, it's it's gonna be a tough one. It's gonna be a really tough one. And we'll dig into the matchups like in depth later on in the week, like one on one, what to watch for, who to watch, but. Today, I really want to focus on, you know, this being the last game of the season, who has the most to gain? Like, who could really change their futures based on what happens on Saturday? Um, obviously, like, that's true of anybody. Like, you could say, like, oh, knock on wood, something happens to Steven Montez and Blake Stenstrom gets in the game, tears things up. That would be crazy influential for his future. But that's, you know, obviously kind of a long shot. And so I want to talk about some of the more realistic things that could happen. And and kind of who I'm cheering for is like, kind of almost like a fan of these guys as people. You know, and the first is Mikhail Onu. He's played really well this season. He uh, obviously, like, he struggled like anybody else has in this new defense, like learning new responsibilities. It's complicated. As a senior, he was also helping other younger players figure out their responsibilities in the defense, took some of his time away from focusing on himself, and he made some mistakes on the field. And those mistakes on the field are going to cost him when scouts try to figure out whether he's an NFL safety or not. Um, if, I'm, if, if, if I'm an NFL executive... I'm not looking at Mikhail as a future starting NFL safety. Personally, I do think that he's worth the shot, though. I think, again, special teams stud for sure. Um, with some upside that he could be that kind of guy. Um, the big thing with Mikhail, though, is that he he has the turnovers. And that's something that's going to draw attention from anybody. You know... The one of the first things that that scouts and executives are going to look at are the stats for quarterbacks. Are you efficient? Do you turn the ball over? These types of things. Defensively, there aren't all that many st stats. Like there are the big tackle machine linebackers. You you look at the pass rushers, these defensive linemen as well. Who gets to the quarterback? Who gets tackles for loss? And then you look at turnovers. And of all the defensive stats, the turnovers can be. I mean, they aren't necessarily you making a play, whereas, you know, quarterback throwing an interception, it's probably on the quarterback for doing something dumb. Defender getting an interception, it's it, it could be a great play. It could be a play that nobody else in the Pac-12 would have made, or it also could have been just a bad decision from the quarterback or a, a bad throw. He's just off target. Forced fumble could be, you know, with Mikhail, oftentimes it's because he's able to get his head on the ball and knock it out. But it could also be that somebody just doesn't have a very good grip and drops it. And so there's a little bit more variability um, between how many turnovers somebody forces and how many they should force. With Mikhail, who f is he up to six or seven this season? Something like that. Uh, 
he hasn't forced one in a while. He's kind of slowed down after that really hot start, like unbelievably hot start, like unsustained. You throw prime Ed Reed in college football, and and I don't know that he's doing too much better than those numbers. Um, not because he's not a better player, but because it's just so difficult. Um, I think he's a guy who, if if somehow he came out of this game with a an interception and a forced fumble, that could significantly change how he is viewed by NFL decision makers. Um, just pad those stats a tiny bit more, uh, catch some eyes late, and hopefully carry that into the offseason. Um, he's number one. Uh, he's number one for me. Uh, S- Steven Montez is up there, but he isn't number two because even if he has a great game, I still think that you look at him as a guy who's up and down. You know, he's streaky in college. And again, that can change in the NFL. Uh, spending all your time on football could definitely get rid of that problem. But at the same time, is the, the college narrative for him is pretty much in the books. Number two is Arlington Hambright. Going up against this incredible defensive line, Arlington's a guy who has improved significantly during his time in Boulder. Um, as much as the offensive line as a whole has improved because of the chemistry, because good coaching, like figuring out how to scheme to help these guys out, who needs the help, that sort of stuff. They've also grown like individually, particularly with Arlington. Um, I wish he was around Boulder longer. I wish that he had one more year here. I think that he really could turn into something special, like a like an Oregon type offensive lineman, like somebody would be competing for playing time at Oregon, like a which doesn't sound like a great thing. But those guys are all just going to the NFL. Um, that's how I see Arlington Hambright right now. Um, nationally, again, similar to defense, it's tough to get stats on an offensive lineman. It's tough to look and say he was a productive offensive lineman. You just know they have tools. You have the tape. You have uh, the measurements, the athletic ability, you know, and, and it's a lot of projection instead of saying, hey, he could do it there. Maybe he just figures out how to do it in the NFL. I mean, that's what it was with Philip Lindsay. Imagine that guy without any production. I mean, he still didn't get drafted, but without production, he, he would have never gotten a shot. And then you saw that, sure, is he the fastest? No, but he's pretty fast. Is he the strongest? No, but he's strong. You know, he just has all these different things, and he's, because of his personality, able to do the same thing at the pro level that he was able to do at the college level. Um, tougher to prove yourself through stats as a lineman. And that's why I think... A, a lot of teams, of course, are going to be watching film on this Utah team, this Utah defensive line, because there are so many really strong prospects. Um, just wait to watch these guys. It's something. Um, pretty much any team that's interested in a defensive lineman is going to be watching a lot of Utah film from this year. And uh, who knows? This could be one of the games. Um, if Arlington Hambright shows out holds down the left side of this line on Saturday. Scouts are going to see that when they're scouting Utah. Plus, the scouts who are already interested in him will also see it. Uh, this is a huge opportunity for Arlington Hambright. Same thing with Tim Lanott. I'll throw Tim Lanott in there, too. Um, either one of those guys could really make a name for themselves on Saturday. Um, the third is LaVisca Chenault. Um he just needs highlight real plays, honestly. In, in my opinion, that's what it is. Um, not that I think that the outside hype, the fan hype, is what really influences NFL executives' decisions. I do think that it does play some sort of role. I do think that there's something to the fact that... I don't know, the, up, the upside's what's intriguing. Like, for for me, when I want to get to know a player, you know, I don't start by turning on tape. I bet Andre probably does, but I kind of cheat. I turn on the highlights. I spend five, ten minutes just, like, watching what happens when this guy's at his best. 
And then you go the tape to confirm it and see, okay, what's happening the rest of the time? Is this it? But just having that top level show stopping type stuff, you know, DK Metcalf had that kind of stuff. You know, Lamar Jackson made a name for himself even in high school as that kind of guy. You know, you just need that buzz, that buzz that a guy who's as talented as LaVisca Chenault should be against good cornerbacks, against cornerbacks who aren't giving out touchdowns to anybody. If he just comes out and dominates, that'd be huge. If he comes out with a couple of incredible, incredible catches, which is totally on the table because that's what it's going to take to beat these cornerbacks, all of a sudden he's just filling out that highlight reel from this year, making his play look a little bit deeper than it might have been all season. And then also it's a chance to pad the stats. Um, Not a good chance because you are playing the best defense you've played all year, but you, you know, it's it's something that if somehow you do take advantage of it, you pad the stats, you you come through with uh, production against a team that's giving up no production, and you have a little more flash. Like, he just needs more bulk to his resume and really can't afford to have a down game in a game where he probably should have a down game. Um, that's kind of been the book on LaVisca, though, is that it doesn't matter who he plays. He's the best. He's going to make his own plays. He's going to find a way to be successful. But that really hasn't been as much the case this year. And so he, he, he needs to reignite that narrative that he is just an unstoppable force in the Pac-12. Um, that's what I'm looking for this weekend. Um, I think that uh, there are a couple other names that you float around. You know, Nate Landman going up against a good offensive line, good running backs. I've said before, I mean, and again, he's another guy who could go to the draft and maybe even a strong performance in the passing game and the running game could push him in that direction. I would doubt it, though. I believe he'll be back in Boulder, and I think that he's going to be very good next year. And he's coming off a couple of really good games to cap it off against a very good football team would be... An, an exciting sign. I think that that's also the case with a bunch of people, and that's why he, I didn't get him on the list for that. You know, Mark Perry's look good. Um, you know, I, let's end it with that. Uh, we we have a couple comments, I think, uh, and we'll get into those in the final segment. But first, I do want to talk about the end of this basketball game. Uh, Colorado pulled it together. They came through. They uh, won a game, a tournament-type game. Um, I think that this is really important for this team going forward. I think that what's most exciting still about this team is the defense. Again, very good offense. It's not something you have to be like, you know, scared of, scared of, even though they have had a couple of tough games. But I, uh, I, I do think that this defense is what is the special quality of this team. And, you know, in football, good defenses close games out. You've seen it with Colorado the last couple of weeks where, even though, you know, Stanford's on the field, they could drive down, they could get a touchdown, they could get back in. Same thing with Washington. You you just aren't thinking that's going to happen because you know that defense is that good. And it's the same thing. We're coming out of this timeout, uh, what was it, 20 seconds left, something like that. Uh, you Clemson needs two points to tie the game, and you feel pretty confident that they're not going to get it because of this defense. Um, eventually, McKinley Wright gets the steal, knocks down a couple free throws, uh, and then you got a four-point lead with not much time left. Uh, you get the block. Tyler Bay gets the block. Those are your stars making plays late in games. And typically in basketball, your stars are making offensive plays. Like you're thinking like, oh, he hit a three, or he blew by a guy, got the feed, like old bounce pass underneath that led to a dunk. No, these are defensive plays coming from your stars to win you games. Uh that's exciting basketball. That's basketball I can get behind. Um, another frustrating performance, but you do have to remember that Clemson's a good basketball team. Uh, this isn't like Wyoming because uh, Wyoming isn't a team that Colorado belongs on the same court as. Clemson is. Uh, again, it's still early. We'll see which teams actually are for real by the end of the season. But as of now, that's a very good win. That's a very good win for Colorado. Colorado remains undefeated uh wins 71 67 by the way uh Tyler Bay led the way 18 points on eight shots 
10 rebounds, three assists, two turnovers, four blocks, and a steal. Uh, oh, it's just everywhere. Um, McKinley Wright finished with 10 points on three of 13 shooting, uh, six rebounds, five assists, few turnovers. Um, picked it up a little bit late, but you still got to get more out of him. He's too good for that stat line. Uh, a bunch of other guys contributing from uh, Deshaun Schwartz, Dalen Kuntz, Evan Batty, uh, Shane Gatling, Maddox Daniels. I don't know. I I I think that there were a few more shots they could have knocked down, um, and that's what turns this into a game that... Uh, do they play? Yeah, they'll play again. They're 21th in the polls right now. Tw- 21th. My goodness. I got to stop with these late podcasts. 21st in the polls. This is a game that should knock them up a couple spots. Um but it could have been a bigger, wider margin win if they knocked down some threes. But as I've said before, you can't rely on the threes falling every single night. That's just not going to happen. You know, there are going to be a lot of nights like tonight where they shoot 32% from three. You want better, but that's not too far outside of what your reasonable expectation should be on a given night. Um, that's probably good for basketball talk. We'll we'll spend some more time on this. I'm really excited for the season, and I'm becoming more and more excited every time I see this team. Uh, even these last couple games where they've played frustrating basketball at points, um, still still exciting. Before I get into your comments, I uh, want to let Ryan take over for just a second to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap. You name it, they've got it, and the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Okay, so uh, yeah, Blake Street Tavern, one of my favorite places on earth. Uh, Buff-owned, and uh, they're big Buff supporters there. Uh, it's just a, it's just the best place to go for Buffs games. It's where I go when uh, Colorado is on the road and I'm not with them. I'm definitely going to be catching a lot of basketball there this season. Hopefully, I'll see you guys around. We'll, we'll get the watch party or two figured out so we can hang out. Um, but yeah, Blakeshire Tavern, the best. Uh, into your thoughts and comments now. And I want to start with, oh, and it refreshed. I put my phone on like the battery saver mode, which means it doesn't remember that I have my app open to whatever page the app is open to, which I really hate, but also I guess it saves the battery. I could just plug it in. Um, two comments. First in from C with Folsom. Something to ask Tad about. In the past, I recall him relying on the players to do their own free throw shooting and saying it's on them to get better. I wonder if that's still his mindset or if he has an improvement plan if the team's free throw percentage continues to struggle. I honestly have no idea how other coaches handle free throw practice. Yeah, I'm actually not sure. uh, I'm not sure how most teams do free throw practice. Uh, I covered Montana women's basketball last year. And I could pull some comparisons, and I think what I've seen is fairly similar. Um, So, okay, so here's what I'm struggling with right now. What I'm struggling with is they let us go to the open practices, but they're kind of like off the record. And so I have some things that I could say, but I don't know what exactly they'd be fine with me saying. And so I'm going to give you a pretty broad answer here, and then I'll figure out which details I'm all right to include in the future. But, uh... You know, like, Montana, they do, like, cycles. Like, the end of practice, they all go to, like, the six or, I think, six different hoops on the court, uh, take turns shooting free throws, spend some time on it. Colorado, uh, 
they they use a more like pressure filled situation, whole team watching uh, that kind of stuff. I can tell you that they do work on free throws in practice. It might be less than other teams. Uh, I like Tad saying uh, it's on players to do their own free throw shooting. I think that in a perfect world, that's how you do it. Uh, practice should be short. It should be doing the things that you need the whole team there to do. And uh, then outside of that, if somebody wants to get help with their shooting, they can get a coach to come with them. Uh, if if they want to do it on their own, like all this kind of stuff, it does require a lot of like personal responsibility. Like something like free throw shooting, when you have whatever twenty guys at practice, and you only have six baskets, it just doesn't make sense to be practicing that with your limited practice time, um, because what two-thirds of the team is sitting out um if you trust your guys to do it on their own time then that just makes it all work a lot better and just do the things you need the team to, to be the whole team to be around for when you have the whole team together um that's my take i'll definitely talk to him about that though because that is interesting to hear that thought um b mixer says they have been doing those chalk talks with the volleyball season ticket holders for several years now. I, uh, that's interesting. So remember, uh, Allie and Ryan got to go out to the chalk talk with Mel Tucker where Mel Tucker broke down the game plan before the game. An awesome thing. And again, I got to talk to them again after. And we talked for like a half hour. And I got to like compare like what Mel was saying with what you saw on tape. Or like their phrases he uses in media availabilities and you hear that and then you hear that he's saying it this way but going into more detail like i don't know it's it's almost like i i don't even know what it is like he's just been leaving like easter eggs everywhere and then all of a sudden ryan and ally have all the answers and so ryan would be like yeah he said this and i was like oh well then he that's just like this but yeah i don't know it's a lot of fun Talk, talking football is fun and i'm so jealous that they got to go do that um so yeah, they did get to go do that before the Washington game, though, and that's the point. Uh, apparently, according to B Mixer, they do those before volleyball games um, for season ticket holders, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I don't know what you would learn in a volleyball chalk talk. I'd be super into it, though. I'd be really into it. I, w- I don't know if they'd be like opponent-based, like trying to figure out what matchups. I don't know. I don't know anything about how they do that. I'm excited about this volleyball program. We haven't spent much time on them this season just because, you know, like they started hot. We got to talk to them a little bit when they started hot, but at the same time they kind of like came back to earth and they're just young and up and down. But that means that they're just going to keep growing and improving, becoming more insistent, uh, consistent. Like the lows are going to get higher, the highs are going to get higher, and they're a year or two away from being – a really good Pac-12 volleyball team, which, you know, Pac-12, very good volleyball conference. I think that next year we're definitely going to spend some more time on the volleyball team because uh, I think that they're going to take a pretty big step forward. Um, My job is weird. There is so much going on at CU, um, just in the, the athletics world, that it's tough to give everybody the time they deserve because I feel like if you spend 10 minutes once every two or three weeks talking about something, it just isn't interesting. Like we followed along pretty closely with the soccer team and that's what makes it interesting when you actually follow along with it. You know the storylines, you know what's happening. Um, Just kind of jumping in and out. It's like, oh, that's happening, but who cares? We haven't built that bond by spending the time on it. Um, And that's what's weird about my job is trying to figure out what is worth the time? And so I, where I want to go with this is if you guys have anything you want to talk about, I'm down. Um, once football season's over, I'm going to be spending a lot of time covering men's basketball, some time covering women's basketball, um, basically getting to everything I can get to. Um, if you want more or less of something, you want more of something I don't even talk about, just let me know. Just let me know. Comment section is a great way to do it. Uh, B Mixer continues. Uh, continues. Oof. I wonder if McIntyre did not want to do it. 
or they did not think he was a good fit for that. And so that is why they have not done them before. So I haven't heard that they haven't done them before, I don't think. Um, I would guess Ryan and Allie would have said something if they had. Um, because they went with the season ticket holder who probably would have been invited before. Um, yeah, so a lot of speculation there, and I think that that's fair. For some reason, McIntyre didn't do it. He may have just not wanted to. It's also true that they might not have thought he was a good fit. Uh, I can't speak to that. I have never met uh, McIntyre in my life. I've heard a lot about him, and so I could make some guesses, but I've heard about him through the lens of somebody who recently was fired, and that's, I mean, you're generally not getting a lot of rave reviews. I can say, oh, actually here, I'll finish this first. Uh, from Ali and Ryan's comments, Tucker made an impression and is great at it. I believe that, for sure, for sure. I mean, that seems right up his alley. He's he's a football guy, like... Like, this should be his strength, just talking football. Uh, he does a lot of things well, speaking in front of crowds, all that kind of stuff. No surprise that he's great at it. I'm really jealous they got to go. Um, he also says, do you see Mark Perry playing star or safety going forward? That's a good question. I think that uh, that's going to be one of the big stories, um, storylines at least, this offseason. Because it's tough. I like him in the star. Um, I really like him in the star. I think I'd like him. At, ah, I really do like him at the star. I think that there are, there are a lot of things that he does very well. Um, you know, those delayed blitzes, just having that speed there. I think he, he fits in that spot a lot like Davion Taylor does. I think you could keep some continuity there. It'd also be continuity in the fact that he's been spending the season learning how to do exactly that. Um, he, if, if he were to switch to safety, he'd have to learn a new position. Again, there's a lot of time to do it. Learning a second position is easier than learning the first position, but maybe not by as much as you'd think. Um, I think that he could do either. I think he has the skill set definitely to do either. Um, I have a couple thoughts. Um, a lot of it is going to depend on who else is competing for those positions. So at safety, you have Darian Rakestraw coming back, who the coaching staff really likes, and I see why for sure. And I think he has one of the two safety jobs behind him, Trey Udofia, Isaiah Lewis, you know. Um, who knows? Who knows who that next guy up is going to be? Um, that is why Mark Perry might, f might fit better in there, just because it's a hole that he could patch. With the Mel Tucker star... It's a lot easier to play a corner there than uh, it has been in the past uh, under like the McIntyre defense. So that means when you have as much depth as Colorado has from Chris Miller to Makai Blackman to... And Makai was working in the star early this season during camp as well. I'm going to go through all these notes after the season, like put together everything... Um, I learned about everybody who is doing what when. I'm just gonna need a massive notebook. Um, but yeah, so uh, Makai Blackman, Chris Miller, uh, coming back from injury. Then you also have Nigel Bethel, the transfer from Miami, who uh, will be eligible next season. And then you have KJ Trujillo, who I think might be the best of the bunch. Uh, I think will be in the future. Might be now. Um, Tariq Luckett, Dylan Thomas, like there are so many guys that you need to find spots for that it might make sense moving Mark Perry to the back of the defense, even though I really do like, I think that he's a very good fit at the star. Um, the question is, is he so much better at the star than he is at safety that you would prefer to take off a more talented cornerback in exchange for a less talented safety. Um, just getting that combination of fit and skill out there. I would bet that he stays at the star, but even then, like Christian Gonzalez coming in might project as a better star. 
I mean, he probably he definitely projects as a better star than safety, I think. I don't know. It's going to be tough. Mark Perry has looked really good when they've played him there, though. And I think that that's, what's, that's what we know for sure, is that he is good at playing the star. He's young. He's going to keep getting better. And I'm pretty sure he could probably play safety, too. I think I'm probably... This is, this is a, such a tough decision that I think I'm going to flip back and forth between... Uh, safety and star in terms of what I would do if I was Mel Tucker a whole bunch of times throughout the season. As of right now, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say safety. I think, I think the way it's going to work for me is I'm going to say safety until you have a safety who proves he's ready to be on the field. Uh, somebody behind Darian Rakestraw who proves he's ready to be on the field until then it's kind of not necessarily a waste of Mark Perry, but his his skill set is just so diverse that boxing him in at the back end of the defense takes away some of his versatility. Um, he isn't as much of, you know, almost like a mismatch back there, a defensive mismatch instead of like, you know the way the tight ends who are just like big and strong and fast and can black block and can run routes and catch footballs? Like they just break the game. Like it's just not defensible. I think Mark Perry can be the defensive version of exactly that from the star. A guy who can blitz, rush the passer, play zone, play man, and uh, keep keep defenses honest in so many different ways. Um, but that's almost a luxury, whereas having a real safety is just a need it's something you have to have until and so until you show that you have all of your holes patched um i don't think you can put mark perry in that sort of luxury position um that's my take right now that was kind of weird how i just kind of like thought through all of it in front of you guys hopefully it was kind of interesting and not just like me talking in circles um Plus, you get another cornerback on the field, which is good. Uh, yeah. who? I don't know that I'd play him at the money, though. Unless, unless, because, like, that's Davion Taylor's thing is he's probably better at the money, uh, that, like, inside linebacker spot than he is at the star. And so he's he just leans that way, whereas Mark Perry would be more of, like, a true star, probably. So your money guy... I don't know if you have any other option. I think it'd have to be him. Who who's your speedy safety? I think he'd I think it'd have to be Mark Perry who plays in the money spot. I don't know who else that would be. Um I know that Marvin Ham, the young linebacker, freshman linebacker, he's a speedy guy. He's uh he's like the next guy up to fix Colorado's uh lack of coverage problem in the middle of the defense uh, in terms of like a true inside linebacker I think that he's probably the second choice I think that when you go into that money package that dime package it's probably Mark Perry next to Nate Landman it also could be Marvin Ham another linebacker obviously not as athletic as Mark Perry would be but then you get to keep Mark Perry at the back end of the defense maybe then you have your three other cornerbacks out there there's a lot of stuff that's going to have to play out this season, um, this off season. Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting, especially because this defense has those positions that require the flexibility. That I mean, you can do different things. You know, you can have Davion Taylor, a guy who is a linebacker in that star position, or you can have Makai Blackman, that star position, a cornerback. I don't know. I'm excited to see where they go. Uh, if you guys have any comments, any questions. Leave them in the comment section in this podcast on the post on dmvr.com. You have to be a subscriber. Uh, if you want to become a member, then you can uh, use the promo code Hank. And they appreciate me more where I work, which I appreciate from you. And uh, so you should do that. Uh, yeah, I'm getting all ready to travel these next couple days. Montana tomorrow. Thanksgiving, Thursday in Montana, Friday to Utah, Saturday the Utah games, Sunday back home. Um, it's going to be a whirlwind, and I'm excited to bring you guys in my backpack with me. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye.